Those are like the four things you should just know about Pinhead. <laughs> I didn't know anything about Pinhead other than he was a BDSM leather daddy. That's all I knew. You didn't know Rubik's Cube and Chains just no. from BDSM? Like, <laughs> it's the Rubik's Cube involved in the one in that. It's the most exquisite torture trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to live deliciously. <laughs> Good evening. It is I, Zakula. I visit you in your dreams to bring exciting news. For the entire month of October, Matt and Zach will not be bringing you one, uh, 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 but two uh, 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 episodes each week. Join them every Monday and Friday as they tackle Universal Monster Classics and a bonus movie. Fear not, however, there is more joyous news. On the Matamexac YouTube channel, you'll be able to find new videos such as Matamexac Go to Hollywood Horror Nights and more. You will also be able to purchase nothing but the most stylish, hottest fashions from Matamexac threadless.com starting October 1st. So much to look forward to. I know Zakula is excited. For now, sit back and enjoy this episode from the vault that the boys recorded an entire year ago where they watch Hellraiser. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Matt Makes Zack Watch Horror Movies. I'm Matt. And I'm Daddy. <laughs> Come to daddy. I'm Zach. What did we make you watch this week, daddy? Don't do that. I don't like that. Never mind. Go back to doing the chattering. I prefer that. We watched, uh, I almost said Pinhead Larry. <laughs> Wait, that, oh, I was going to say, is that from something that I remembered SpongeBob? SpongeBob. But, yeah. We call him Pinhead. Yeah. No, I'm Dirty Dan. <laughs> but yeah we watched hellraiser yes so zach did you like hellraiser yeah all right yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were like you're not gonna like this it's not gonna be what you expect it's gonna be gross i was like oh it's pretty pretty on par for like what, <laughs> what <Yeah>. we've <laughs> they don't know that you're watching like horror movies with a guy that's like i don't know make them weird like <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh it's pretty like, I mean, there's cool special effects. Yeah, I I was upset that there wasn't as much Pinhead, but the same thing as Friday Thirteenth, where it was yeah. still a good movie. Yeah. There's cool special effects. <laughs> but yeah, I digged it. All right, cool. I, I prefer these like cheesy '80s movies to like modern horror movies. <laughs> oh, you know they're cheesy. There was a skinless man smoking a cigarette, and you love it. Oh yeah, the the definition of cheesy. Was <laughs> <laughs> pretty cheesy. She's just like, <sighs> okay, I'll give you maybe camp. It's a little bit camp, you know. Same thing. Same no, difference. no, no, no. Because cheesy is like, ah, uh, it's played out. It's silly. I don't like it. And like camp can be like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like cheese. <laughs> I I don't think cheese is a bad thing. I enjoy cheese. No, I like cheesy stuff. Everyone too. likes cheese. I've been telling you we gotta watch malignant, man. Like, <laughs> but yeah, Hellraiser, it's good. I liked All right, it. cool. I yeah, I don't think there's anything I disliked it about it. Yeah. Oh, good. 
Because there's some of them where I'm like, oh, that was annoying, or oh, I didn't like that. But that uh, this one, I was just like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's pretty well th- like thought out. Like the script is really good, mm-hmm. and that helps that Clive Barker's you know a writer by trade, mm-hmm. so <laughs> that definitely helps. Yeah, you know the structure of it is just solid, and the effects are cool. So yeah, what more do you need? <laughs> more Pinhead. Yeah. All right, that gets to something I want to talk about. I think the cultural legacy of these movies is very different than this first one. The same thing as Friday the 13th, yeah. where I was just like, oh, it's going to be one of those. Like, like halfway through, I was like, oh, we're not going to see a whole lot of Pinhead, yeah. but he makes such yeah. a lasting presence. Well, he he's the thing that you come away from this movie going like, but fucking Pinhead, man, that guy looks cool. <laughs> And then later on, it does become kind of more of a slasher franchise Mm -hmm. where it's just like, who's Pillhead going to kill next? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the exact wording. Uh uh Hey, Zach, don't get too cozy because spoilers ahead on the Cape Fear. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And to begin off our spoiler filled discussion, Zach, can you summarize this movie? No idea. I know you didn't get to take notes because we were doing a commentary. Yeah, this is the first one doing a commentary, so I couldn't take any notes or anything. <laughs> All right, three, two, one, go. Uh, so we started off, Frank, uh, we're with this guy. He gets a Rubik's Cube, and uh, he just presses a button. Solved. We got the gang. We got Pinhead Larry. We got the man that I hate that just chatters his teeth. I don't like it. We got the cool guy with the glasses. His name's Buttermall. <laughs> And we got and we got female cinema, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they do some stuff to him. Uh, surprising lack of butts on pillars, but every other body part's there. <laughs> then uh, we switch over to this couple that uh, finds a house. Who uh, Michael Keaton and the stepmom from Cinderella uh, are a couple <laughs> in this universe, and uh, for whatever reason, they're very excited about this house. Uh, that uh, their brother died, or Michael Keaton's brother died in, and uh, I'm going to slow. <laughs> uh, pick it up, man. Um, um, up. Um, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, stepmother uh had a love affair with Frank. Um, and surprise, he's an ooey gooey monster boy, and he's back, and he needs blood. Uh, so the stepmother finds a lot of bald dudes because she's discriminatory like that. Shout out to my bald kings out there. You're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so she sacrificed them to get <laughs> to get the ghoul from Fallout, his blood, <laughs> to turn him into a skinless man, smoking cigarettes and being cool. And uh, uh, we also have Michael Keane's daughter, who has terrible taste in men and is dating a more disgusting man than... Uh, the skinless <laughs> creature in the attic, um, but no pinhead yet. But uh, surprise, um, she, uh, Michael Keane's daughter comes in, and Uncle Frank is very gross and says, "Come to daddy." And nobody liked that, but she grabs the Rubik's cube and summons Hellraiser in the squad, and uh, they're like, "Hey, what's up? You you want to see some shit?" She's like, no, I do not want to see some shit. And the weird chattering man that I do not like put his fingers in her mouth. Didn't like that. Um, 
So she's like, hey, you want Frank, though? They're like, oh, shit, word, you know, Frank. All right. <laughs> hey, go ahead <laughs> and let her go to go find him. Uh, so uh, she shows up and surprise, Michael Keaton's there. And they're like, oh, we killed Frank. But surprise, Michael Keaton is Frank. And the stepmom dies. And uh, then uh, she goes to the attic and uh the pinhead larry and the squad shows up and they're like frank you've been a naughty boy and uh (laughs) chain him up and he says something about jesus i don't remember uh and she gets out but pinhead larry was like surprise motherfucker and uh goes after her too and uh the creepy weird guy that does needs to shave his fucking neck shows back up and uh she just easiest Rubik's Cube in the world and sends Pinhead Larry and the squad back and the ho- a weird homeless man from earlier turns into a dragon I think at the end. not bad not bad three minutes all right yeah, yeah. I, I would see this is what happens when I can't take notes I stumble a lot because I'm like I didn't get to write jokes and prepare <laughs> <laughs> you laughed right so but yeah that was that was Hellraiser <laughs> <laughs> Not the movie that you think you'd sign up for. Nope. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie that actually took me the first time I watched it. I didn't really like it because I think I was so aware of the cultural legacy of it mm. that I went in like, oh, this, this is a slasher movie. <laughs> Pinhead's barely fucking in this. <laughs> what is this? You know, I caught it on cable at like 11 o'clock yeah. at night or something like half asleep. Like this sucks. Oh yeah, by the way, I forgot to mention <laughs> this is a detour episode because Pinhead just came out in Dead by Daylight and I play a lot of Dead by Daylight so I was like, I need to watch Hellraiser for context yeah, yeah. now. Now you know. Now I know. I'm sure it provided so much context. It, it did. Because in the game, he uses chains, he uses the Rubik's Cube, there's like the blue light coming through the panels. Okay, but those are like the four things you should just know about Pinhead. <laughs> I didn't know anything about Pinhead other than he was a BDSM leather daddy. That's all I knew. You didn't know Rubik's Cube and Chains just no. from BDSM? Like, <laughs> it's like Rubik's Cube's involved in one It's the most exquisite torture. <laughs> trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> That's one way to live deliciously. <laughs> Anytime I see the BDSM stuff, I just think of... Uh, when I was like in art school, like there's one dude who was the nicest dude, one of my favorite people to talk to in like my painting class. Very good painter, but he was into that. Mm. And all of his work concerned that. And he would do the stuff where like you hang yourself from hooks and everything. So he would bring in like photo Wait. reference of himself hanging from hooks and then paint it. And I was always like, oh, I can't like look at your stuff while it's a work in progress because I don't want to see the photos. <laughs> what do you mean hanging from hooks? Oh, um, people hang themselves from, from hooks. But <laughs> the disconnect here is I'm imagining Hellraiser of sticking hooks through your hand. Yes. And, wait. <laughs> well, more like through like your back and your shoulders, I guess. And you just kind of like, hang a little, not super high off the ground. So you're not putting too much weight on it. And you typically, I guess, okay, this is just from his paintings. They put like a lot in and it's pretty like shallowy into your skin. So then <sighs> just enough to hold you, like hold your weight without hurting you. And he also did like, he always like pierced his face and stuff like himself. And <laughs> nice guy though. Good painter. Yeah. 
But that's what I think of when I see this movie. Is like, uh, I bet he really likes this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's way into it. See, I didn't know people actually did that part, that far into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, And his wasn't even like a sex thing. His was just like, yeah, Hangry Mooks, it looks cool. I like it. <laughs> <He> <laughs> like, did it because it looks cool. I think there's, I'm, I'm sure there's probably some sexual component <laughs> he didn't mention, but he was like, yeah, it is that pain, like, feels kind of good thing, like, you know, and like, it looks cool, and it makes such an interesting subject matter for my paintings, that's part of why I do it, and I was like, hey man, you do you, just don't ever let me see the real <laughs> photo again, the painting is fine, but I cannot see the actual photo of you hanging in the air by hooks. <laughs> Yeah, see, because, like, I thought you were just, like, not saying, like, the full, like, oh, yeah, he was just holding on to, like, rings or something from no. hooks. And no, they're no. Like, actual <laughs> hooks. Okay. That's cool. Sorry, Zay. Sorry to burst your suburban bubble here. But... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think you mean, like, most of the population's bubble. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It definitely blew my mind. <laughs> uh, cool. <laughs> Good yeah. to know. Yeah. I bet that dude, big Hellraiser fan. Probably. Because as we said, the subtext, the subtitle of this movie should just be, don't worry, he's into it. <laughs> <laughs> he's into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the opening of this movie is like, no, no it's fine. He's into it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It was Frank Steele because he, he like, He's too much I, of a player, so yeah. he needed more, but then like wanted to escape. I I guess the whole th- I guess the the book goes into it more. I've never read it, uh-huh. but you know because you can literally just say what a character is thinking in a book. Yeah, and the whole backstory with him is like, oh, he's like just kind of going on like a fucking world tour, <laughs> like <laughs> a fucking world. Tour. Yeah, a world tour of fucking, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, yeah, like, he's done, like, everything, like, you can think of from, like, normal stuff to, like, when I fuck my brother's wife on her wedding dress the <laughs> night before they get married, which is the most messed up thing ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he goes through all that, and, you know, I think he's supposed to kind of be, like, a sex addict, maybe, mm-hmm. so things get more and more intense for him every time, and, like, mm-hmm. so, like, nothing is intense enough for him after a point. And then he hears about the Cenobites, like someone tells him about them, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's exactly what the movie says. You know, oh, angels, some demons to others. But uh, no matter what, they're going to take you someplace you've never been before, buddy. (laughs) And then I guess the book also just (laughs) it's going to make a joke, but it can't. (laughs) What? And then the book just has like a lot more cum. Because apparently like that is like the opening scene where like. You see all the chains shoot him into him, and he's like, oh. Apparently in the book, he makes that noise, and then it's like, and then he came. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, apparently, like, very matter-of-factly, like, and then he had an orgasm. <laughs> like, Because <laughs> I should say, Clyde Barker is, uh, is, is a gay man who's super into BDSM, mm-hmm. although he always jokes, I guess, like, on a scale of one to ten, I'm only, like, a six. Hmm. To which I think it was Joe Bong Briggs asked him once, like, Jesus Christ, if you're only a six and you're into this, what's a ten? <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. 
so this was like like a lot of like the the visual aesthetic of this movie comes from like he was going to like clubs in LA and in England mm. while he was like pitching movies and like writing his books and he was starting to become like a pretty popular horror author and director of plays um and so he would go to like leather fetish clubs and just like mm. hang out and then eventually like became a part of the scene <laughs> I would assume so <laughs> Well, that, you know, is also kind of why, like, so, at least tonally, some of this is present in, like, probably his most other famous adaptation is Candyman, mm, just yeah. based on uh, one of his novels, or one of his short stories. Thought I was going to hiccup, sorry. But, I mean, there's kind of, like, a, a gothy, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to hurt you, but you like it, find <laughs> Candyman, like the original one. Being so, my victim. Yeah, yeah. You know, when he says, like, I'm going to cut you from top to bottom you're like okay <laughs> <laughs> whatever turn it up <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> what, what if Candyman became a centibite well that's a thing that lots of people have talked about in like the the, the client Barker extended universe kind of like because I guess like wait a second didn't you just roast someone for saying Candyman cinematic universe okay that's because they want it to be like the Marvel cinematic universe and I'm like not everything needs to be whereas mm. like Clive Barker it's more like Stephen King how like there are references to other stuff or like a character might pop up in another story mm. um, it's a little subtler than like everything has to tie together where are the Avengers <laughs> chatterer um, <laughs> butterball right. so I mean, you could make the argument that like Candyman kind of is a cinnabite he's this thing that shows up when you call him and he punishes you cool you kind of like it <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah but uh you know this movie opens real weird mm-hmm. and just gets weirder yeah <laughs> Uh, I think one of the interesting ways to read it is like a fairy tale, right, right down to the wicked stepmother, mm-hmm. who has a monster that goes after her stepdaughter. Like, yeah, even even in the way that like uh, Kirstie is kind of an, until a point, kind of like a passive character, in like the way that we were we just did a, an episode on Suspiria, and I was talking about in the original, uh, the main, it's much more fairy tale like in some ways, mm-hmm. and the main character is also kind of a little more passive to a point. That reminds me of like, you know, like Snow White, like, does it like choose to leave the castle? She is chased <laughs> out. She does not choose to live with the dwarfs. They just say like, hey, do you want to live here? <laughs> you know, things just kind of happen to her, but she's nice. So we're into it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, same thing with like, I mean, that's the thing of, like, most main characters you're supposed to see yeah. themselves. Like, Harry Potter's kind of, like, a lot of things happen to him rather than his right. choices. Which is why, like, sometimes on, like, hero journey stuff, you have to be careful with that. Like, I love Harry Potter. I love that book series, despite J.K. Rowling. Mm. But occasionally in that series, it does become, like, I think, like, Harry Potter got loud at various points says, like, I don't know, something will happen. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, I think that's just how she's writing this book. <laughs> It'll come to me eventually. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're pretty quickly introduced to some pretty interesting characters. Mm-hmm. I was surprised how quickly we we're just getting into it and like pinhead right yeah. away. <laughs> I mean, they look cool as fuck. Like, mm-hmm. uh, 
in a lot of ways, we were talking earlier about the Matrix because you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Matrix is kind of indebted to Hellraiser. He he was actually the person. Clive Barker was the person that found the Wachowskis. Oh really? Um, and they actually used to write Hellraiser comics. That was their yeah. break into the industry, which kind of makes sense then when you think about like all, all of the, the Matrix characters are like black. We're into fetish leather too. <laughs> 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 So you're saying is Neo is a Cenobite as well? No, no <laughs> or Agent no. Smith? Yeah, Agent Smith is a Cenobite. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> so we need Agent Smith. We need Candyman. <laughs> Pinhead. They all fight Neo. Hell yeah! They're the Dark <laughs> Avengers. We're kind of pitching this, and I'm like, I'm pretty into this. <laughs> <laughs> Who owns the rights to what? We could get this going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know what to say about this movie. <laughs> like, I I guess like because all the BDSM stuff, how's that like taken? Like, is it offensive to the community? You know, or I don't know. I've, yeah, or? I've never looked into it. Them, I I've never heard any like loud complaints. Mm-hmm. I think probably because Clyde Berger like comes from that culture. Mm. Um, he probably understands it better than I do. So, um, and it's not the the thing I I like about the Cenobites, at least in this first movie, is um, like on the D and D alignment chart, they're kind of almost lawful neutral, like not even lawful evil. Hmm. Like, no, 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 we we do what we tell you we're gonna do. We stick to our word. You called us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, 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 we're not good or bad. We just do exactly what we told you we were going to do. I guess it's bad that we kill you, so maybe they're lawful neutral, lawful evil. But, like, I think that that's one of, like, the most interesting things about them and about, like, many horror writers and their, like, re-envisionings of, like, like uh, the devil and hell and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, the idea of, you know, like, well, the devil's the bad guy. He's just doing his job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the whole pitch of that show, Lucifer, like, in the Neil Gaiman comic it's based on. Yeah. Like, his... Well, like, do do the Cenobites even, like, kill you? Or, like, what happens to you after they're done with you? Because Frank came back. go to... Here's the thing. These are called Hellraiser. But it's not necessarily that it's hell. Uh-huh. It is a vision of the underworld. Uh-huh. At least, like, that's very much how it's pitched in the second one. Is like, it's, it is devoid of, like, Christian imagery. Very intentionally. Mm-hmm. Even the Cenobites themselves don't look like traditional demons, you know? I mean, there's a lot of Jesus statues. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I think Clark Barker just thought it was funny. But... <laughs> And in the later sequels, they do start playing with that imagery more. Like, oh, let's have Pinhead show up in a church and a straight Christ pose. And it'll be creepy. And it's like, it's so much more interesting if it's like this re-envisioning of like, what is the afterlife? Like, mm-hmm. let's position him more as like, he, he's more comparable to somebody like like Hades. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you actually read Greek mythology, Hades, they always try to pitch him as the villain. He seems like a cool dude. Doesn't <laughs> cheat on his wife. <laughs> It's pretty nice to everybody. Like, he's kind of stuck there and just wants to like hang out with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> he's well, no, my job is to, you know, keep you here in the underworld. And um, I'm going to do that. 
you know, he's not the, the Hades is not how they put him in like the Hercules cartoon where he's mm. like, I'm plotting against you and I'm evil. He's always just like, well, no, like I, I wrote a contract. You signed it. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'd love to let you leave, but about it's that. my job. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's kind of how I see the Cenobites and why I think they're so interesting. Oh, especially because it's like, like, yeah, you called us. Yeah. You asked for this. <laughs> Although then you do get into tough stuff like Christy didn't really call them. Yeah. She more just accidentally solved a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm because I don't know if I, I prefer because I kind of wanted them to be like, oh, cool. He gave us Frank C a piece out and like leave yeah. it there. I kind of wanted that to happen. <laughs> but that's what they say is like you called us and there has to be some kind of punishment, but mm. we'll see what it's going to be. Yeah. You give us Frank, we'll see. Yeah. So maybe they would have just taken her to hell, you know? Yeah, you want to become a... Do, do yeah, maybe she becomes a Cenobite. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody, like, become a Cenobite? Oh, Zach. Is that how that works? Oh, Zach. <laughs> so in the second one, they... I'm just gonna... I'm hoping to get you to watch all of these. We're gonna watch my, all yeah. of them. So for the second one, they do make, like, a super Cenobite, and he's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But three, Hell on Earth, where Pinhead is on Earth. Oh. Uh, and he needs a new posse. <laughs> That's where it gets interesting. That's where you get, um, because it's 1992, I believe. Mm. That's where you get things like CD Cenobite, Camcorder Cenobite, Bartender Who Spits Fire Cenobite, and Car Piston Head Cenobite. So... So we're we're gonna... gonna... Zach, his power is that he throws CDs. (laughs) He throws them at people. Because he was the DJ at a club. So we're, so we're going to forego the Halloween marathon <laughs> to watch the rest of the Hellraiser movies, right? Oh, and the bartender who spits fire looks like a giant baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is the last of the Hellraiser movies that I think I watched all the way through. I Like, they blur together, like, after a point for me so much that I'm like... I don't know if I finish it or if I turned it off. <laughs> like, I, want, I, want the, I want the I want to watch it. So yeah, and then in four, Adam Scott is in it. Adam Scott from, from Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, yeah. He's who I pictured, but I was like, is that the right name? Yes, it is. <laughs> Crying Batman himself, Adam <laughs> Scott. <laughs> I I want to I want to watch that so bad. Yeah. Why why didn't they make CDs and bite one of the skins for him and Devin? I'm kind of actually surprised they wouldn't because it is something that like people talk and joke about, you know? It seems like it would be a good funny thing to do. I'm so we haven't seen any like slasher sequels and I'm so excited to get to them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. I mean, luckily, we're starting in a good place with the Halloween ones coming mm-hmm. up here because they Halloween as a series has like the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah, yeah. Hellraiser is just a steady decline, <laughs> a steady like <laughs> drill into the earth to the core. Like that's how low we're going. I mean, but it, it, every movie you're like, can't get worse. And then apparently it does. <laughs> and then they're like, I don't know. What if they use cell phones to brainwash people? And you're like, why is that a plot point? <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, Matt, I did get everyone to watch Thanks Killing for Thanksgiving last year, and I was very happy about that. <laughs> so I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm not a Thanks Killing fan, so a turkey. <laughs> Why watch Thanks Killing when you can watch Blood Rage? I don't know what that is. Oh, Zach. <laughs> this Thanksgiving, you and me, we're watching Blood Rage. Hell yeah. This has been a quite the tangent. <laughs> Hellraiser is a hard movie to talk about because it's just like, I don't know, you gotta see the shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it was kind of overhyped and like, oh, horror movie gore, media is weird, but like, it, was, it is, but it's also like weird in different ways. Like, it's not this one at least as much about like watching people get ripped up with chains as it is like, I don't know. It's a love story between a demented evil woman and a man with no skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's weird. But that's not the weird I came in expecting to see. Yeah. I mean, like it wasn't any, like, I feel like it wasn't as far as a departure from everything else we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, it still has, I, I can see where you, as much as I'm joking about the like weird Cenobites yeah. they make, I can actually see the line between like this one and that where it's like, yeah, each movie you do more pinheads. So yeah, you got to bring in new Cenobites and you got to, mm. you know, I get it. Sure. As opposed to like Friday the 13th where I'm like, and in the last one he'll be in space. And it's like, what? <laughs> uh huh. Space. Well, what? <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel like, friday and like nightmare are more advertisable to mass audiences compared oh, to yeah. pinhead yeah so i imagine that's why it probably I mean, this like, is this is always going to be for a niche audience yeah. I mean, clive barker himself is kind of for a niche audience mm -hmm. although i do love that the marketing campaign for this movie as with a lot of horror movies in the 80s was just let's get a pull quote from stephen king <laughs> and that pull quote was i have seen the future of horror and its name is clive barker <laughs> Which is like, I mean, that's a pretty boss pull quote. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, sort of like how they marketed uh, the first Evil Dead is like the only, there's no like tagline. It's just a Stephen King quote. It's like the most messed up movie I've ever had to watch. <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> there, there was something for something on Shudder, some new anthology or whatever, and it was like something something like new horror, like some quote Sam Raimi, and then the rest of them were like review websites i've never heard of yeah. it and it was only sam raimi i was like huh <laughs> okay. or like, one of the best ones was uh for kevin smith's movie red state you know he produced it himself he distributed it himself mm. so he got the poll quotes himself so like he went to all of his friends so like quentin tarantino gave one where he was like i love this movie it's so weird i love it you know so then he goes to Ben Affleck and it's right after he directed his first movie and he's like a hot new director now. Mm -hmm. And he goes like, let me get a quote. And he goes, what did Quentin say? Uh, Quentin said, I love this movie. So Ben Affleck's quote was, I love this movie more than fucking Quentin Tarantino does. <laughs> <laughs> and they put it on all the posters. That's pretty great. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. But Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Um, I like the family dynamic stuff. I think all that's kind of interesting. Yeah. The, again, the dad's just always like being yeah. oblivious and getting the short end of the stick at the end. 
he had to have his brother wear his skin <laughs> who murdered him. <laughs> yeah, I I also feel bad for Julia. Like on this watching. Which one was she? Uh, the evil stepmother. Oh. Because she really gets played in this movie, man. Because hmm. she's clearly like just like not happy in her marriage, but doesn't feel like she can leave. The dick was so good, she brought someone back to life. <laughs> and then at like the end, he just murdered so. her. Yeah. And he just says, like, oh, nothing personal, but thanks for your help. Mm-hmm. Like, her whole arc is like, oh, God, it sucks to be unhappy. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, in the beginning, I, she seemed fine until all the Frank stuff came up. Well, I imagine that's got to be like she was like pushing that down, like her whole relationship. Because one, you don't want him to find out you cheated on him. Two, you don't want him to find out it was with his brother, <laughs> who he clearly doesn't like. Yeah. Like he just talks about what a deadbeat his brother is. Now he hopes he doesn't come back to the house. And if he does, like, we'll kick him out. Yeah. <laughs> Has any brother been missing for months? Yeah, he does that. Do you want to go look for him? No. He's, he's probably stupid. in jail. Yeah. Shouldn't you check? He's not dead. <laughs> nah, because <laughs> he is dead. Oh yeah, there's that. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this. Movie. Yeah, I think Frank is really the true villain of this movie. Yeah, because he's just a dick throughout. Yeah. Because I I think that's also part of it is like, because in. In two, you find out that all of the, the Cenobites that we see used to just be people. Mm. So for them to be good enough people, they just get to become like, we're like cops in hell. <laughs> um, and Frank is so bad that they're like, no, nah, he can't join. <laughs> like, that's how much Frank sucks. You can't hang. Nah, man, you're like a you're like a cop in the real world. We don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like a hot dude. We're like yeah. cool goth kids. I do think that is one of the other interesting things about this movie is it's it is not devoid of male gaze. All of the male gaze is just directed at other men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, male gaze is like sexualizing women, kind of almost inherently through the mm-hmm. camera and through just how men look at women. Yeah. Um, this movie kind of does that, but really only to Frank. Yeah. Which, which is interesting knowing that Clive Barker is gay. That he's like, I have no interest in like, like Julia's going to look like kind of weirdly hot and awesome in a villain way. Mm-hmm. But like, but Frank though. <laughs> 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 what if he just comes in in a wet t-shirt? <laughs> is what I feel like he said while he was writing the script. <laughs> Should we get into uh, behind the scenes again? Yeah. <laughs> show me things I've never seen before, man. I have such sights to show you. <laughs> now, um, a lot of the practical effects in this movie are pretty amazing. Uh, I, I don't know entirely how they did them. This is a pretty low-budget movie, so it makes it even more impressive. This movie costs less than a million dollars. Oh, my God. This movie only cost 900000 Dang. And actually, originally, the most... Like arguably like the centerpiece of the film, Frank coming back to life was not in it because the budget was so low. Um, It was just kind of like he was just kind of like going to come out of like the floor or the wall, I guess, like as shot. 
Like he just kind of stumbles into the room alive again, you mm-hmm. know? And then the studio was like, yeah, that sucks. And Clive Barker was like, yeah, it does. You didn't give us any money. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave him like an extra like $10,000 to like, we'll give you two more days of filming, bring in your crew, do whatever you have to do. <laughs> and you got that sequence, which fucking rules. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like Clive Barker actually, he didn't have too hard of a time working with, I think it's a uh, new world pictures. It's um, Roger Corman's company at the time. We've talked a little bit about Corman before on other episodes, but he's like one of like, the freshmen. He's one of like the low budget Kings. Hmm. Um, he started off, he, he, he himself made movies like um, all the Vincent price uh, hmm. stuff in like the seventies, like kind of af- after Vincent price was famous. Mm-hmm. Um, like all his color work when he's a little older. Um, he also made movies like uh, the original little shop of horrors, mm. which was only made because they had that set. Like that's how Roger Corbin makes movies. Mm. Um, but he also has discovered like a ton of famous people. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, um, Ron Howard, uh, all these guys, their first movies as directors uh, were for Roger Corman, mm. including, um, oh, why can't I think of his name? one of my favorites uh the gentleman who directed science of the lambs hmm. uh started off making corman pictures and roger corman is actually in science of the lambs that's right yeah that's the episode which is nice because apparently everybody just stays friends with him like they just like him yeah that, <laughs> I, I remember you explaining that yeah. now where he's like yeah come on in. yeah but um you know my, my favorite roger corman quote was uh on the, the film grand theft auto which was ron howard's directorial debut he walked up to him and said wow man this movie is so good. You're never going to have to make another movie for me again. <laughs> <laughs> when I was like, what? He was like, no, yeah, you're going to go to like a real studio. This is great. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> That's great. But um, he produced this movie along mm. with Clive Barker, who raised some of the money. Mm. Um, this Apparently the book even was written because he knew he wanted to turn it into a screenplay because mm. he wanted to make the transition to film. Because like I said, he had, he had directed a number of plays and things, and that's actually how he knew Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead. Mm. Um, they had actually like known each other like since high school. Mm. So he uh, he he wrote that novel basically going like, I know I can get a hit out of this book. Mm. Um, and it was actually in an anthology edited by George R. R. Martin. Ooh, yeah. Who knows a thing or two about books? <laughs> a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> he's he's written a few. Yeah. Uh, I guess he did that because um, he was one of his other books. Uh, Rawhead Rex had been adapted into a movie. Rawhead Rex. Yeah, apparently it's bad. Even like the people who made it are like have like apologized <laughs> to for making it. Yeah, like <laughs> we're sorry that movie came out so bad. <laughs> um, and they like fought him every time he would come to set. They'd be he'd be like that looks terrible. They'd be like you don't know what you're talking about. It's fine. It's fine. And then the movie sucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh this is clive barker's directorial debut of course Mm. and somewhat famously he did not know how to direct a movie Mm. (laughs) at all like he did not go to film school or anything he just had done plays so he was like yeah i went to the library to uh and i said like oh do you have any books on directing and they were like yeah sure 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 they went and they checked and they came back sorry it's checked out so Clyde Barker like went to like his producer and was like oh my god I'm so fucked 
Oh, I'm so, I can't even read the book about it. Oh my gosh. Now he could just Google it. Right. Oh, that's what Olin says. And my, my favorite thing behind the scenes fact about this whole movie is Doug Bradley did not want to play Pinhead. No. And not in a like, oh, I think that's a shitty character way. It is in a way that I'm like, oh, as an actor, I like fully get that because you can't put Pinhead on your reel because it doesn't look like him. So the two characters that had been offered to him and he just didn't pick quick enough were Pinhead or the guy helping move the bed. Mm. And he desperately wanted to be guy moving the bed because <laughs> oh, no. he's like, I can put that on my reel. And they almost have the same amount of screen time in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> But Clive Barker's like, I already cast it. Like, he didn't get back to me soon enough. Do you still want to be Penhead? And he's like, yeah, I'll get paid. Yeah, that's fine. And now he's like, horror icon <laughs> Doug Bradley. <laughs> like, the two movies where he's not Pinhead, people, like, hate them because he's not in them. Like, <laughs> I mean, also, they're bad, but. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. I feel like there's so many stories like that where, like, someone just accidentally got into a role that right. they didn't plan on well, getting or didn't want yeah well like the woman who played julia she turned down the role three different times oh my god because she was just like oh i'm like a stage actress and you know i don't i don't love horror movies so Isn't like that I, eh. the mama Voorhees too same situation. yeah she wound up taking it though because she needed a new car <laughs> 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 and again that's what she's most well known for now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the like guys that like play these like iconic slashers or like monsters or stuff or always the nicest guys. Apparently Doug Bradley is lovely. Doug Jones. Doug oh yeah. He's supposed to be yeah. super nice. Yeah. He, Del Toro's guy. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's always the nicest guy at cons and everything. Yeah. Apparently like I remember listening to another podcast and they were complaining. They were like a bad movie podcast. So they were mm-hmm. watching one of the sequels and somebody like wrote in and they read his letter the next episode. Cause they're like, yeah, I bet Doug Bradley's like a dick who hates being pinhead. Hmm. and somebody wrote in like no like i met him in a convention and um they accidentally let the line go over he stayed two hours after the convention closed and made sure every person got a signature and a photo and didn't charge because people had to stay longer than they were supposed to and like made sure everyone had a moment and like the guy was like yeah i got there i was like third to last and i was like oh i was gonna have you like record something and he was like, i'll do it yeah sure no, I just appreciate that you guys know who I am. Thank you. Aww. And I'm like, Doug Bradley sounds lovely. Aww. So then that podcast had to be like, I guess we were wrong about Doug Bradley. Cool guy. Like, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's all these like, like, that's what I really like about horror. It seems like everybody behind the movies are just like pretty genuine and like, yeah. because it's not something that's going to make them like uber famous. So they appreciate yeah. any like. That is also the sometimes what bothers me about um, people who clearly don't want to be making horror movies Mm. when they're like, I don't like horror. So I'm trying to like elevate it. I'm like, you're not better than the genre, dude. Mm. Like it's that high art versus low art thing where I'm like, just because it's low doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It's just different, you know, which is why it's cool to see. Again, we were talking about Malignant earlier before the mm-hmm. podcast. It's cool to see James Wan go make a movie for, that makes, you know, $2 billion worldwide. And then he goes like, and now I'm just going to make a really cool low budget grind house horror movie. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
because that's what I have enjoyed about the podcast and everything is just like the whole world and community of horror. Yeah. Like, it just seems so nice. Yeah. Well, and now like, you know, having worked at convention and, and we've gone to a couple that, you know, like mm. everyone at the cons is nice too. And like yeah. people who like make stuff are so nice and like so into it. Mm-hmm. The horror community is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> You know what else is pretty good? Huh. The movie Hellraiser. Yes, but I've ran out of things to say. <laughs> I mean, I guess closing thoughts. I don't. Um, I like this movie. I'm as with a number of horror movies. I'm just glad that something so weird exists. Mm. And Doug Bradley sounds nice. Yeah. What are your closing thoughts? Uh, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, as I have found with all of these horror movies everyone always overhypes them uh and it's usually people who have never seen the movies yeah um and i felt the same way i felt like after watching like some of the other slashers of like yeah that was a fun time like everybody made it seem like it wasn't gonna be a fun time watching the movie but it was it was cool it was a fun time i enjoyed watching it um and uh cinebites are cool and i'm excited to see more um i just thought of the one thing i forgot to mention Um, crossover of all crossovers that makes this kind of perfect you know it was pitched for years Hmm. because someone owns the rights the same company owns the same rights to both hellraiser and halloween a crossover they wanted it to be the big follow-up to freddy versus jason they were like we'll do our own michael versus pinhead and they never did this no because it would be really bad <laughs> so <laughs> i mean like yeah like i want it but although i know that um after uh for the success of freddy versus jason every company that owned two characters was pitching a versus movie mm-hmm. um so it was like leatherface versus somebody um and then they wanted to do freddy versus jason versus ash from uh, evil dead and then they wanted to do another studio wanted to do uh, Michael versus Pinhead. And then the one that one of the actors involved said, no, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. You could not get me to do that movie for all the money in the world. How dare you? Almost an exact quote. Mm-hmm. Leprechaun versus Candyman. That quote is from Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did say I would do Candyman versus Pinhead. So. <laughs> yeah, that sounds way cooler than yeah. fucking leprechaun. <laughs> I mean, I love the little shit, but it's not good. <laughs> it's not on the level of Candyman. Right. Like, right. could be on the level of Candyman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think that's something that like I hope movie studios start to realize now after the success of something like Dead by Daylight, where it has all these like different killers like it's not like they interact or anything but the fact that all these properties are on the same thing and everybody loves it i feel like movie studios gotta start like recognizing that i think if they take the time and the care to do it because like freddy versus jason is not like a perfect movie maybe it's not even a good movie Mm. but it's really fun and you can tell everybody making it wanted to make the best movie they could out of that concept Mm. and like they spent like literally like 15 years going back and forth on scripts and rights and like directors and pitches. Um, there's a fantastic book called slash of the Titans. Highly recommend it. <laughs> what was the book you mentioned before? Something about oh, um, Halloween, wasn't it? Uh, Taking shape volumes one and two. 
that was after remind me to get that after yeah. we do our Halloween series. Well, off the record here, I'll I'll give you my login. So <laughs> <laughs> Although I kind of want to buy the physical books now that I've listened to them. It's like books on tape. So Pinhead uh, comes through. Huh? All of a sudden Pinhead comes through. What'd you just fucking say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think that's uh, all we have to say about um, Yeah, I feel like we talked more about tangents than we did this movie. I think this is a great movie to just talk about horror in general in some ways because it is yeah. such a... This movie, is, and this is not me like trying to be dickish about it. Mm. This is a movie that only matters to the horror community. Yeah, like that—that that is who it was made for, and that is who it is for. Yeah. As as opposed to something like as much as I like the sequels to Halloween, including the most recent one, those aren't really like you know Halloween twenty eighteen was not a movie made for horror fans. Man, yeah. it was like, oh, we're gonna make this kind of cool big mainstream movie. And it'll be really well made and even horror fans will like it. Mm. This is a movie that's like, no, this is for horror fans. <laughs> so I think like all the talk about like horror community and stuff is, is appropriate on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I said, like this, this was like one of the good ones where I came away with the same feeling that like after yeah. watching like all the slasher movies and killer clowns from outer space and where it's just like yeah (laughs) most people would write off these movies for being like either too horror or too low budget or too cheesy but like it was cool i liked it It yeah it's the it's the low art versus high art debate and i'm like one is not more valid than the other just because one is inherently trashier yeah Yeah, but where can uh, everyone find you matt well you can find me on everything from uh, OnlyFans to instagram as i draw paintings where can everybody find you, Zach? I hope this movie doesn't give me an ideas. <laughs> you can find me. Wink. <laughs> you can find me not on those. And on that note, come to daddy. <laughs> Perfect choice. <laughs> Bye. Bye.